Hey everyone, it's Andrea Aswahe. I'm dropping in to say hello and to thank you for listening to Kind World, but I also wanted to share an episode of a show we think you'd like. It's called Port of Entry from KPBS, and we think you'll really enjoy this episode from them. If you like the show, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Take a listen and take care. When the pandemic hit, the federal government did something extreme. The United States will soon be effectively cut off from the world as the federal government closes the northern and southern borders. All non-essential traffic is blocked from crossing into the United States at border crossings with Canada and Mexico. In the beginning, it really sounded like the Canadian and Mexican borders were going to be completely shut down to everybody. I know I was confused. My friends were confused. People that I talked to were confused. So people just stayed at home and decided to not cross. Me and my brother normally live in Tijuana, but without knowing how long this was going to last, we just decided to quarantine in San Diego with our family and wait it out. For the first few weeks, all the friends that I talked to who were in Tijuana weren't crossing because they didn't know that they could get through. After a few weeks, people decided to start rolling the dice and just try to cross. And pretty soon, I think we all realized that the border was open and people could cross just as easily as before, at least if you're a U.S. citizen or resident. And a few weeks after that, the border was almost back to normal. The, the lines were just as long as ever. The only real difference was that border vendors were now selling a lot of face masks, hand sanitizer, and all the corona goods you could imagine. Toilet paper, all that kind of stuff. And by April, the slumbering border beast had awakened. People like me with dual citizenship we can cross the border whenever we want, even with COVID in full swing. No temperature checks, no questions about the virus at all. And yeah, the border is not the exact same beast as it was before the pandemic. Not just yet. It's still not 100%. The more casual cross-border tourism trips have mostly paused for now. And businesses on both sides of the border who depend on that cross-border tourism are really hurting. But the national perception that the border's been effectively sealed shut because of the pandemic, it's just way off. Actually, the biggest, most dramatic change in who can't cross, you're not going to find those folks at the ports of entry. Officials will now turn away most migrants entering the country from the southern border. That includes people fleeing violence, even if they come legally and show no signs of being sick. Instead, you have to look to Tijuana's migrant shelters to the refugees who can't seek asylum in the U.S. right now and are stuck at the border, and the people who are scrambling to help them survive. Today, we're talking to two women whose lives at the border have been upended by the pandemic. We talked to one woman who fled cartel violence in hopes of seeking asylum in the U.S., but got stuck in Tijuana instead. And another woman, a medical doctor working overtime to help the thousands of asylum seekers currently trapped in limbo at the border. From KPBS in San Diego and PRX, this is Port of Entry. I'm Alan Liliental, and today we're dropping into WBUR's Kind World feed to bring you cross-border stories that connect us. If you like what you hear, make sure you take a minute to find and subscribe to Port of Entry wherever you listen to podcasts. Stay with me.
So I was just uh, leaving work here at Olive View Medical Center. This is one of the emergency departments where I work in Los Angeles. I'm heading to my car through the parking lot in our MRI camper to start my journey down to Tijuana. For people like Dr. Hannah Janeway, the border was never closed. The pandemic has actually made her trips to Tijuana even more necessary than ever. We asked her to record herself on her phone as she made the trip one day in May. I'm just getting to my car now in the parking lot of Arlo View. Finally get to take off this mask. Oh, it's hot today. Hannah's an emergency room doctor in L.A., so most months she spends a week or so working at a few different emergency rooms there. Then the following week, she drives to Tijuana so she can volunteer at health clinics for migrants. So the trip to Tijuana from my house usually takes about two hours and 15 minutes when there's no traffic. Where are you now? Here in Tijuana. Delia is currently quarantined at a shelter for migrants in Tijuana with her husband, two of her daughters, and her grandson. Delia says her family left behind their pig farm in Guerrero after her daughter's ex-boyfriend grew increasingly aggressive. For obvious reasons, we can't fact-check Delia's story. We're taking it at face value, but her story is very similar to lots of stories from migrants, and nothing she said gave us doubt. La amenaza con armas, la tiene amenazada, con ustedes que los mata si ella les cuenta, o si dice algo. Delia says her daughter was dating a man who was involved with one of the big Mexican drug cartels. We're not using Delia's last name or the name of the shelter where she's staying to protect her from the cartel's reach. Delia says the boyfriend started physically and sexually abusing her daughter. At one point, he threatened to kill her and her whole family. Eventually, things got so bad, Delia says her daughter tried to kill herself by overdosing on pills. They got her to the hospital after finding her unconscious. She just barely survived. Dios es grande y la rescatamos, la salvamos de ese intento de quitarse la vida ella, porque pues para según ella salvarnos también a nosotros, porque si ella decía algo pues nosotros nos moríamos. Delia sent her daughter to Guadalajara after the suicide attempt. She thought she'd be safe there. But she says the boyfriend found her daughter and forced her to go back to Guerrero with him. That was it. That was the moment they knew they had to flee. Dije, vámonos. Agarro y mi esposo, mi otra hija que estaba trabajando también, nos venimos. Pues le platiqué a mi hija, está casada y ella me apoyó con dinero. The family left in the middle of the night. Delia says they got on a plane to Tijuana and they left so quickly that they had to leave almost everything they owned behind. She was able to sell a few of the pigs off before they left, but the rest got left trapped in their pins. 
She assumes most of the pigs are gone now. Muertos. Animales, pues ya no, ya, ya. Se murieron o ya se los llevó la gente. When the family arrived in Tijuana, they went straight to the port of entry without having any idea how the asylum process works. From there, they were sent to a different office where they were put into the system and given a number. She says they weren't given a date to return. Her husband has called back several times. Each time, they say they can't give him a return date or any other information right now. Nada, nada, no, no hay noticias de, de para cuando se termine o cuando ya empiecen a, a, a dar asilo, pues, a pasar gente. Uh-huh. Today, actually, my journey is going to be partially interrupted by a stop in Long Beach where I'm going to be working or helping to volunteer as a street medic for the Black Lives Matter protest. And then when that finishes, I'll be headed down to Tijuana. Hannah is in her 30s. Her hair is mostly cut short, but a mop of curls spills down from atop her head. She spent a lot of her college years studying abroad in Latin America, so she speaks perfect Spanish and loves Latin culture. Hannah is now one of the medical professionals behind the Refugee Health Alliance, and Delia is part of the population of migrants in Tijuana who Hannah serves. So it's now 8.25 p.m. I just got back to my car and am headed to the freeway in Long Beach, I spent the last few hours at the protest um, providing medical aid and standing on the front line trying to prevent the police from escalating their level of violence with protesters. Um, But things were getting increasingly violent and I have to make it down to the border so I decided to leave. One of my colleagues who's also an emergency medicine doctor uh, and who was with me I ended up getting shot by a rubber bullet and has a big, huge welt on his wrist, but he's okay. And we treated a bunch of other people with minor wounds and injuries that we saw. Um, so I'm hoping that everyone else stays safe. But I have to make it down to the border tonight because I have to be at our clinic tomorrow. So off I go. The Refugee Health Alliance is a young nonprofit that sprung up in Tijuana to meet the medical needs of the recent influx of migrants seeking asylum. Over the last few years, lots of people from Central America and elsewhere have been showing up here at the border with dreams of finding safety in the U.S. But they've been getting stuck in Tijuana and other Mexican border towns. And many of them depend on Hannah and an army of volunteers like her for their safety and really for their very survival. So I'm about halfway there. I'm making a pit stop at a supermarket to buy some things that we need for the clinic um, and to grab a bite to eat. Uh, It's funny, about five minutes ago, I passed a sign on the freeway that said that travel across the U.S.-Mexico border is limited, which is certainly not the case. So yeah, like I said earlier, the border is not closed the way most people think. But at the same time, it is close to this one set of very vulnerable people. To be very clear, the biggest impact of the pandemic at the border has been on migrants seeking asylum. People have been trapped at the border for, you know, 
up to two years. They come, then they're metered, they're waiting for their number, they cross, they get sent back under MPP. You know, all those things are like over a year and a half generally. The shelters are crowded and, you know, you're sleeping in a tent on the floor many times or there's other, you know, there's bed bugs and there's scabies and it's just not a not a place that you really want to be for any longer than you absolutely need to be. Once COVID arrives, everyone in the shelter is going to get it. Time for a break. When we come back, Hannah takes us inside the Tijuana Clinic that provides health care for people like Delia and her family, people stuck in asylum purgatory. Coming up on the next season of Rad Scientist, we explore what it means to be a black scientist in 2020. There's hurdle after hurdle. You're not even getting to the science part yet. Why is my voice the voice that keeps being disregarded here? Listen to Rad Scientist wherever you get your podcasts. So it's uh, day two of the clinic. Putting on my shoes. They have to come off when I right when I enter the house because I don't know what I'm trampling in from the clinic with all the COVID stuff going on. Hannah and the other U.S. physicians behind the Refugee Health Alliance are all unpaid volunteers. The nonprofit launched when the first big migrant caravan from Central America showed up in Tijuana in 2018. Migrant camps were popping up at the border and the Mexican government was just completely overwhelmed. The need for medical care was clear. So the group of friends grew the nonprofit and eventually opened clinics in Tijuana. But migrant numbers and needs just keep growing and growing. So I'm in the clinic right now, just getting some medication for a patient. Looks like he has a tooth infection. So giving him some antibiotics and pain control and then getting him set up with our local dentist who's wonderfully volunteered his time to see our patients. Because the tooth is probably gonna have to be taken out um, because it has a huge cavity in it. Hacer esto que es el papel, sí, para los resultados del COVID, para que las gentes lo tienen los resultados más oficial, porque I'm headed to the parking lot now to meet up with Carlos. Hey, what's up? Ready to go? Yeah. The Trump administration has, over the past four years, chipped away at the asylum system, making it harder and harder for anyone to get through it. In the past, if you showed up from another country claiming you feared for your life and the asylum agent believed you, then you had a shot at getting into the U.S. It was a difficult and slow process, but it was a process. 
and people waited for it to play out while in the U.S. But one huge shift has been the Remain in Mexico program. When that went into place, asylum seekers from Central America were sent back to Mexico to wait for their case to make its way through the system. But then in March, the U.S. started turning back every asylum seeker, regardless of where they came from. Within a few hours of presenting themselves at the border, almost every migrant is now being sent back to Mexico. The Department of Homeland Security said the new protocol is an effort to stop the spread of the coronavirus. Then in June, the Trump administration proposed even more changes to the system. The changes include a slew of obstacles that would make it even more difficult for anyone to get asylum. Also, the Supreme Court just dealt asylum seekers a harsh blow. The Supreme Court has ruled the Trump administration can deport some people seeking asylum without allowing them to come before a federal judge to make their case. All those recent changes have effectively ended asylum in the U.S., and no one is sure when or if the system will open back up. So now, with thousands of migrants stuck in limbo at the border, the web of nonprofits that serve them are just totally scrambling. The NGOs that have historically focused on things like healthcare or legal help, they've been forced to pivot. Since right now there's no real asylum system to navigate, lots of these nonprofits are instead providing food, clothes, and other emergency humanitarian relief, doing everything they can to help meet people's most basic needs. Hannah's clinic has even started serving food because patients were showing up hungry. There's a huge community always in Tijuana of refugees and migrants and deportees who had apartments but were just barely making it. And when COVID started, they all lost their jobs and a lot of them have been getting kicked out of their apartments or don't have money to pay for food. And so we've started to provide food at um, our clinic three days a week. Tenemos la clinica para ahí. Gracias. Uh, one of the patients that I saw today was a man who got beat up by someone he got jumped and had a large head laceration and also probably broke um, a metacarpal uh, bone, not sure which, so I'm sending him for an x-ray, but I'm just putting a splint on him because he's homeless and I don't know if he's going to be able to come back right away. Also, because of COVID, it's not just migrants Hannah is helping. Tijuanenses who can't get what they need at hospitals overwhelmed by the virus have started showing up at their doors. Other patients that I've seen today, we have a Another gentleman who is paralyzed and has a bunch of sacral decubitus ulcers and no one's helping him take care of them. And uh, I saw a gentleman who had been attacked by a dog. Um, and I saw a gentleman who just had like a dry cough. So all of them have been sent on their way and had a little break in the patients. So just decided to go get those tacos. Excited to eat them. Starving. Vivimos aquí día a día con el temor de que caigan aquí, pues. Ahora si se lo llevan a ella y a nosotros, pues nos nos matan. It's been four months since Delia and her family got off that plane from Guerrero. Right now, the family's trying to find someone to help them sell the ranch so they can at least have some more money to keep feeding the family. Delia is hopeful that once the pandemic problems slow down, the asylum system will open back up. But she says the weight of the uncertainty is a lot to carry. Y pues aquí dijo con la esperanza de esperar, 
a ver si, pero ya pasó eso de la pandemia y pues ya, ya estamos estresados, estamos, pues gracias a Dios aquí tenemos un techo, comida, pero igual estamos aislados pues y con el temor siempre. Delia says going home is out of the question. It's just too dangerous. And even here in Tijuana, she says she fears for her family's safety. She knows the cartel's reach, and she thinks it's only a matter of time before her daughter's ex-boyfriend tracks them down. Nuestra intención sí es siempre cruzar para allá porque pues está más difícil de que nos causen daño esas personas. Y aquí pues sería ahora sí que estar siempre viviendo con ese miedo. Delia says getting into the U.S. is their only hope, the only way to keep her family safe. I feel like that's the only thing they they can have right now, you know? I mean, what else are they to do other than have hope that the border will reopen? I mean, many of them cannot go back to where they came from. The vast majority have serious threats to their lives. Even in Tijuana have serious threats to their lives given the cooperation between cartels in different areas of Central America. And so, you know, they can't go back and so you know, I think the only thing that they can really hope for is that the asylum process will get opened up again. Lots of people like Hannah, people paying attention to the migrant crisis at the border, they say the Trump administration is using the pandemic as pretext. They don't think shutting down the asylum system is actually an effort to protect public health. Instead, they say the president has always wanted to close the door to people from outside the U.S. and that the pandemic has finally given him an excuse to shut that door. Hannah says most people she talks to who are stuck in this nightmarish limbo are still hopeful like Delia, that things will eventually reopen and they'll be on their way to the U.S. But in the meantime, many of the migrants will have to continue depending on people like Hannah and the rest of the volunteers in Tijuana. And people like Hannah will keep doing what they're doing, working hard to help these migrants stay safe, healthy, and alive. For the last um, few weeks, we've been able to house sit, or more likely a wonderful person in San Diego donated her apartment to us. So instead of living kind of in the middle of the city where I normally live, uh, she actually let us live, stay in her apartment right on the water. People are surfing out there. It's pretty beautiful. It's really nice, I have to say, after like a long day of work to come home and see something like that. Privilege that I don't normally get. Now it's just to do some more work, um, finish up a few things from clinic and have a whole nother day ahead of us. For more information about the Refugee Health Alliance, check out refugeehealthalliance.org. There are lots of shelters in Tijuana and other nonprofits that are always looking for help. Volunteers, money, supplies, all kinds of things. 
check our show notes for some links. Only Here is produced by Kinsey Moreland. Emily Jankowski is our director of sound design. Curtis Fox is our editor. Lisa Morissette is operations manager. And John Decker is the director of programming. And hey, in these isolated times, we love hearing from you. Right now, we're looking for border stories about how the pandemic has impacted you. Give us a call at 619-452-0228 and leave a voicemail. Tell us who you are where you live, and how COVID-19 has changed the way you live your life at the border. Again, the number is 619-452-0228. I'm Alan Liliental. Thank you for listening.